BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back, Redheads. We are here at the Redheads Book Club, September, October issue. How's everyone doing? Hey, Feeling we're great. good. Boom. Boom. Like I should. Like I should. Eh, eh. Well, you guys, this is a really exciting episode because we have allowed a fifth member into the Redheads Book Club. We would like to introduce her. Her name is Magnolia Fachamanashe. Would you like to say anything? Hi, Mag. Knowles. It's like we're our own girl band. No, we are gloss. Oh my God, we are gloss. We, we really should, are. Oh my God, which one is which? Oh my God. Should we do that at the end? We yes. should do that at the end. Maybe for the Hollywood treatment, we'll play the girls. Okay. <laughs> Love it. Love to see it. Well, we are back for another hopefully wonderful episode of The Redheads following what I thought was a wonderful book. We chose, I chose actually, uh, The Unraveling of Cassidy Holmes by Alyssa Sloan as our book for September. And before we get into our thoughts on it, I will share with you what it was about just in case you read it a while ago or haven't read it at all. The Unraveling of Cassidy Holmes follows the girl group Gloss, which popped off early 2000s, 1999 Y2K vibes like Spice Girls really make sure of like Spice Girls Britney Spears Christina Aguilera just like fun fun pop culture stuff it was quite nostalgic quite nostalgic it really was it goes back and forth between um present day and the rise of the group and it tells the story of each of the girls really focusing on Cassidy Holmes the book uh starts off letting us know that Cassidy Holmes has died by suicide and so we go back in time to see what happened along the way. We get to know the other girls in the group, Mary, Yumi, and Rose, and you really get a look into the Hollywood life and what it takes to be a star and all of the very disturbing things that go on. So trigger warning, this book deals with um, physical assault, Sexual assault. Sexual assault, eating disorders. There's a lot of triggering content, suicide. And we will talk about um, the different storylines in the book. So just want to give you a heads up in case you want to skip through any of those parts. So that was the book. It's really just, you know, a telling of a story and sort of coming to terms with maybe how or why Cassidy Holmes ended her life the way that she did. And... Before we get into the DBQs, I want to know what did everyone think, Bex? Ooh, I'm starting off. Why am I? Um, I thought the story itself kept me entertained the entire time, which I always appreciate about a book. You know, it was like a page turner and I didn't want to put it down. And when it was put down, I was excited to pick it back up. Yay. I will say that it was hard for me. I felt like I didn't get to know any of the characters in a very intimate way. Mm -hmm. So throughout the story, I felt like it was hard to empathize or sympathize as a story was being told. And so 
sometimes it was hard for me to really feel an attachment to any which storyline because I was like, I, I mean, Cassidy, like, I don't really know you that well, so it's hard for me to feel all the feels that you're feeling, yeah. you know? Yeah, I agree with and that. And same with Yumi and same with Mary. Like, I never felt that involved with any which character. Um, so I will say sometimes, like, this, the actual writing itself wasn't my favorite, and I don't think that it was a novel of our generation, but it kept me entertained, and I thought it was a great story, and I it went quickly it was like all the things that I like about sort of a beach read so I enjoyed yeah I agree with that I enjoyed it a lot also it reminded me of a lot of books that I do like it has a lot of comparisons to Daisy Jones and the Six it also reminded me a bit of the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo Mm -hmm. and also the comeback which I had just read and I read something else recently that was a book about like Hollywood I I can't even remember. I feel like I've read I've read a very similar book like three times now. And so it felt really familiar, but I enjoyed it. I feel like I didn't really relate to any of the characters specifically because we never got to know them really, really well. But it was an ensemble, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I enjoyed it. That, snitch? Um, I liked it. it. It was a light read for sure. I just like didn't understand the point of this book honestly it just it like it, I felt like there was no plot like I guess it was just telling a story that was made up so it's not like this was a true story and we're getting like the truth behind said story so that didn't really make sense to me but yeah it was definitely Magnolia please I'm talking um <laughs> it was definitely like a beach read for sure a light read and I did I really breezed through it and so it wasn't like I didn't enjoy it. It was just like coming to think about like how, like how much can I really have to say about this book? Do you know what I mean? Like there yeah. was, there's not that much there. And I will say I it just hated the ending because it, it didn't it didn't end. I agree. Yeah. The book just it, the author stopped writing. The, yeah, it kept it kept going to a certain point and then it ended. And I was like I felt like the ending dragged out and ended abruptly all at once. Yeah, yeah, and it was like, I guess justice was served, but I did not feel justified. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like justice was served in the way that it needed to be. Agreed. You was justice served? Did I miss a chapter? Well, you know, Yumi, when she's going to become a judge on Sing It, she says, you know, you have to denounce Stephen St. James. True. And so that felt good, and Mary told her daughter about what had happened to her, but there was no, I guess her daughter was going to help her share her story on Instagram, so it was implied that, you know, she would get justice in that way. But also, there was a lot of other loose ends that weren't tied up. I felt like what happened with Rose was really frustrating because I thought that by the end, Rose was the one who had told the press about Alex. But Rose said it was Yumi. Yeah, and Yumi, like, expressed concerns to everyone, blabbering, and then Rose took that and ran and made it a press-related thing so that they could blow up and get more notoriety. I concur with what all of you said. I felt particularly strongly that I didn't know any of the characters that well. Like, there was no moment where I felt connected to them, and more so, I felt like they weren't connected to each other. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole, I mean, obviously, the glitz and the glam, and there's a lot of factors that go into being a band, but most central, you'd think, is the dynamics amongst the band members and even by the end they just didn't know each other at all which I thought was the strangest part of the book I also had a hard time figuring out how I wanted the book to end because I didn't feel particularly invested in any one plot line that it was like it sort of abruptly ended but I'm like well if if it were up to me I don't totally know how I would have ended it myself I'm not sure what I wanted because I wasn't invested in any one character's Mm -hmm. end all be all yeah I also felt like there wasn't enough of 
um, emphasis on when they were living large at the height of their gloss yes. fame. I wanted like more of the glitz and glamour and success. Yeah, Me too. that was frustrating. I felt like they were only a band for two years. Yes. And maybe like when we were growing up, like bands only were together for like two years, but it felt like an eternity for us because those were formative years for us. Like, But the Spice Girls were around oh, for yeah. a long ass time, longer than two years, right? I mean, I mean, I think so. They made such generalized remarks of like, this is everything I've ever wanted, and I always wanted to be a pop star, and it's amazing, but I never felt it. Like, they did not go into detail about the actual performances, about the songs. Like, I just didn't feel the glitz and the glam, as you said. I couldn't even imagine Cassidy singing. Yeah, because... (laughs) Because we don't know her. Her personality was very meek, and I couldn't imagine how she was someone who even wanted to be famous. Like, right. I felt like, especially in the early years, everything sort of like happened to her and or fell into her lap. She didn't really like make choices and she didn't, I felt like she didn't want for anything. She just sort of stumbled through mm-hmm. life and I guess that's how Rose felt about her. Like she just stumbled into this group when the rest of us have worked so hard for it. And I just couldn't really understand or get behind her. I felt like she had no, I don't know, care yeah but yeah, not like, no like not that she was unbothered but that like she didn't no have depth. like Skin she wasn't driven like she didn't have a backbone yeah. I, I don't know but I guess when you're so young and and malleable that's kind of how a lot of these up-and-coming stars are yeah but I did feel like the other girls in gloss had more fleshed out personalities whereas she was just sort of placed what placed Oh, I was going to say putty, just like you can yeah. shape her however you'd like. Which was such a mismatch with her persona of like sassy Cassie with a right, little right. smirk. It's like, I don't get that vibe at all. <laughs> no, literally same. <laughs> like, where do they get that from? I just don't understand. Um, yeah, but I guess that that's put. what she was trying to say. You know, people think that she's one way, but she's a whole other way. Yes. I also have a lot of questions about Viv, just <laughs> as a whole. Um, yeah, curious about her cure from cancer, which like seemed to be pretty terminal at times. And then she all of a sudden, just she's living, living with Rose, with Rose, years and later. they're not back together. And they're not back together. Yeah. Not back together. Like we're just not going to address that she had a a quick like turnaround from near death. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we we're not going to talk about Alex. Like we're we're just not. By the way, talk the about Alex storyline like was so fucked up that is what just got me like that got me too that got me I was like fuck all of this so that's where I felt like there were some shortcomings that I was like this is not fully fleshed out and like yes I was entertained which like for a story, if I'm about to read a 450-page book, I want it to go it's quickly. It's a tall order for it's Bex. It's a tall order for Bex, especially <laughs> being as I am a slow reader, as we know. Um, and this didn't feel particularly slow. I got through it, ladies. That's yeah. exactly all you can ask for, you know? Mm, totally. But we must discuss along the way. So I think it's time to jump into the, some DBQs. The book had Reader's Guide, which was so exciting for me. It. Made my job really easy. So we could just get right into them. We also got really good Redheads questions. So I think we'll get through the heart of the book. Wow. Given everything that happened after Cassidy joined Gloss and signed with Big Disc Records, the highs and the lows, do you think she should have never chased a music career after Sing It? Yes, I don't think she should. I don't think she was cut out for that life. I don't think I don't think any of it was worth it considering she left after 2 years. Like it 
she was just she wasn't the girl for the job I totally agree mm-hmm. and like I know she was so depressed after seeing it which she claims was because she wanted to be this famous singer but I felt like it was more just because her ego was bruised and she didn't want to go to school and face the kids because she won second place which by the way is still awesome like why is this awesome. so awesome look at Gabby Barrett now yeah yeah and she had so many friends good friends so I guess that's yeah that's where it sort of didn't add up for me where it was like she I would have thought that she'd be happy to be home in second place. That's so amazing yeah. for a girl who just like stepped into an audition. But it was then so traumatizing, she had, and I don't know why. Yeah, she had all these big dreams, and it was two phone calls, and all of a sudden she's a Spice Girl. Totally. It felt like there was not so much conviction behind her desire to become a pop star. It felt like when she called the judge after singing it and was like, hey, can you sign me? And they were like, no, that would look bad. She was like, Cool. Yeah. Right. Oh. yeah. Yeah. Done. I was like, oh, like you give zero fucks. Wonderful. Let's move on with like the next chapter of your life until then she was a pop star. So I just don't think that she personally was unfortunately strong enough to make it happen for herself. And I mean, it's a doggy dog world out there. Magnolia. Magnolia, Magnolia <laughs> is the dog eating other dogs Truly. out there. Magnolia's fit for gloss. However, Cassie, unfortunately was not she was not and also I think that you know when you're becoming famous at that stage of your life and I feel like we've now read a few books that really focus on this these formative teenage years and the industry is so twisted and dark and toxic and it already takes even if you're an adult it takes an extremely strong person to like go through all of that and come out still themselves but when you don't know who yourself is and you go into that sort of environment it's a recipe for disaster which it really was for her Mm -hmm. and at least for the other girls of gloss they had each other they had some sort of bedrock of a friendship and I think that is something that can carry you through but she was completely alone And then when she had a partner whose life was completely destroyed by the environment, like it totally, she, it totally overcame her. Yeah. Yeah. It did make me sad to think how many people, young people in Hollywood are so impressionable and could fall victim to the same types of downfalls that Cassidy fell victim to. I so understand how it could happen. I mean, I read it and I'm like, I do not envy the situation at all for anyone. I can't imagine how challenging it must be mentally, emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I like to think and I hope and I do believe somewhat that the industry is better today than it was in the time that we were reading. Early 2000s, I think that was like in the 90s, like a really like hardcore time to be in the entertainment industry. And I, I think that things are changing and they are getting better. But... I think that it's still fraught with a lot of these different issues, especially around like the treatment of children. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, next question. Do you think being busy and being a celebrity are the only reasons why Cassidy lost touch with her childhood friends, Edie and Joanna? Sounded they like like that they lost touch with her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it didn't even sound like it was like she was trying to call them and yeah. they were the ones not answering. Well, because they were the ones who were busy in college, but do you think that that is really the only reason why they lost touch? Yeah, people people fade away. I just away. felt like she like, was so much busier and she was making the effort to call and they were in college, but that's not nearly the same level of busyness as being a pop star and they weren't returning her calls and it just seemed like Alex was the only one that she was going to stay in touch with and I don't think it's necessarily because that she was a pop star. I think her friends just kind of sucked. <laughs> yeah, and also like they just probably grew apart. Like that's just what happens, you know? And I feel like I wouldn't also, really read too much into it. It also takes 
the backbone of people who aren't in the famous situation. You have to be confident in your friendship and dynamic with the person who is the famous one and ask and be involved and care. Um, Otherwise, you're going to lose touch. Like, that person's busy as hell. And, like, you have to be, like, asking Mm -hmm. the questions and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you have to really try. Alex was presented as, like, this beacon of her past that was there for her no matter what. But did anyone else think, like, he was never interested in her in high school and now he is? Like, perhaps it's because she's famous? That was not how it was portrayed at all, but I thought his timing was... That's actually a fair point (laughs) that I didn't think about. Like, I didn't think about that Where did that come from? I just saw him as, like, a good, inherently good character, even when she thought he sold her images. Like, a part of me knew that he wouldn't do that. I knew he didn't. That was such bullshit. Like, why wouldn't she, like, look into it That fight was so stupid, like... No, I thought he did, because I was so unclear as to who he was as a person, because (laughs) all the character (laughs) development was so vague. I was like, well, maybe he did. I don't know. Also, him transferring colleges to be closer to her when she was on the road all the time. Oh, my God. That was beyond. Like, what? Why? That was, like, creepy vibes. That's why I thought he sold the pictures. So I was like, oh, he's a psycho. He's a killer. He, they keep alluding to Alex and like this thing that happened to Cassidy down the road. And I was like, oh, like he's a killer. Like, he's <laughs> oh my God, I never thought so that. Funny. I mean, I, Wait, I what actually, happened to Cassidy down the road? They, oh God. Oh, what, oh, oh God. I was thinking of oh a literal God. road like down the street. <laughs> oh and I was God. like, what did the I miss? Snitch. Oh my God. Snatch. They also did not go into detail at all about their relationship. Like I get that it was a fast paced world, but all of a sudden they kissed in a hotel room and then she was like in his dorm and he was like, this is my girlfriend. I'm like, have they slept together? <laughs> like, like, no. Yeah. Yeah, she was sex once. Christmas and she, was like, she was once. like, the sex was like lackluster. lackluster. Okay. Well, that leads <laughs> into our next question. What did you think of their relationship? Should she have stayed just friends with him? Should she have pulled the plug on their relationship much earlier, like Joanna had 100%. suggested? 100%. They should have stayed just friends. Like, he would have been a really great mm-hmm. rock for her to have. He could have even become, like, her executive assistant, just some like what Emily was to her, just someone who was with her all the time yeah. that would make her feel normal. But the fact that there was, like, boyfriend, girlfriend, jealousy, pictures, Stephen yeah. St. James, like, that he couldn't be in the picture when Stephen was in the picture, like, was ultimately... The demise. Yes. Yeah, they. There's not even a question. They should have never gotten together romantically, yeah. or if they were, it should have been a fling and nothing serious. Yeah, yeah, that's tough, especially with friends. Do you think Yumi was truly act? So this question confused me because it's in the reader's guide. Do you think Yumi was truly acting in Cassidy's best interest by going to the press about Alex? But I believe that Yumi le- definitely told some people her theory, but that Rose went to the press with it. I thought that Yumi went to the press with it. When I was reading, I was convinced that it was Yumi who went to the press. And then it confused me when it was like, well, Rose betrayed me. I was like, how again? It was was unclear how everything went down. When Cassidy goes to Rose's house, like towards the end, right before she leaves the band, she realizes, and like Rose is doing coke, she realizes that... It was Rose, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I, I thought read. so too. This is what I think. But happened. that confused me because I thought it was already established that Yumi was the leak. Because Rose so. told her it was Yumi. First, Rose told her it yes, was probably on the phone. Lucy. Yeah. And then Rose told her it was Yumi. And Yumi was like, yeah, no, I did tell the, um, I did tell Veronica. And so Yumi thought it was her too. Yeah. Because she had said it, not to the press, but like she. Put it out there. Yeah, Yumi put it out there because she was physically there when Alex came. And then the next scene she saw was Cassidy with a broken arm. So she started telling everyone, like, I was there. Alex and her got into a fight. And next thing you know, she has a broken arm. I don't think Yumi went directly to the press. Or if she did, it wasn't blown up until Rose made it a thing. I, yeah, I think Rose went to the press. 
But Yumi had the information. Yeah. Re- yeah, Yumi's theory gave Rose what to go to the press yeah. with. Mm-hmm. I couldn't stand Rose. Me neither. I really kept thinking that she would become redeemable when she yeah. took Cassidy home. And then it became clear that there was like this burgeoning love story between them, which would have made sense as to why Rose was so hard on her in the beginning. And then with the Viv background, and I, I really felt like they were setting us up for like this big, huge love. Yep. Sort of similar to Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. That's where I was getting that vibe. And she was such a disappointment. You know, she had so much potential. And I feel like she has like such a big heart. Or could. Could. Yeah. But she, even to the very end, even when she was old enough to know better, mm-hmm. like still sold out Cassidy's death for, for a paycheck. All the ingredients are there. I respect the hustle. Nah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. I'm like, kidding, I think you guys, to me, like, th- that's kind of. the, um, like the definition of a has been. Like, yeah. And that's what Rose like never wanted to be. But like when you're selling out your band member's death yeah. for a check and like, you're in a bad spot. They set her up perfectly to have been what you were hoping, where she's the one who doesn't want Cassidy and gives her a hard time and then softens when a bad thing happens to her and Cassidy drives her home, but then nothing came of it in terms of growth as a character. Yeah. Well, Rose says she can't be with anyone who loves her. What does that really mean, and why do you think Rose feels that way? I Because she's a bitch. Like, she's <laughs> just a bitch. Well, she says that as if we are supposed to have come to that understanding as readers. And yeah, but like, like that we see that we that she finally says that and we're like, yeah, we know, sis. And yeah, it's like, we I have, have no, no idea, idea what that means, Rose. Exactly. She said it and I was like, is that it? I mean, that was what I had such a hard time with. I was like, I don't really know you. So you saying that right now is supposed to land and it doesn't. And now I'm just sitting here like watching this unfold and I don't really care either way. Yeah. At first yeah. I was like, oh, she means that like, she can't be loved because she doesn't love herself and she needs to work on herself before she can accept one. And I was like, no, that's like over-therapizing her. It's just because she's never satisfied and a bitch and wants what she can't have. And then yeah. I remembered she has severe mommy issues, so like that probably played into it more. But exactly what Rit said, that they didn't develop her character enough for that to have an impact on the reader yeah. when she said it. And you know what? She loves herself just fine. <laughs> You know, that's like not the problem. Also, it's like if she if she alluded to her not being able to come out of the closet because of her family not accepting it, I would have understood that based on like how off her dynamic with her mother was. But that's not even what she said. Yeah, yeah. I like, agree. Oh, okay. So there's multiple reasons and we're supposed to see them all because we understand you so well. However, we don't. Yeah. yeah. In the present, we see where each of the Gloss Girls are in terms of their fame. Mary is very successful with multiple brands, career ventures, and opportunities coming in, even though that was mentioned literally once. <laughs> literally once! Yumi voluntarily gave up being a celebrity in the mid-2000s and is simply enjoying her life. Rose and her settlement. And her settlement. Rose is still desperately trying to be a somebody and not a has-been. Why did each of them end up on such different career and life paths? What influenced their decisions and the world and the way the world sees them, do you think? I think that, I think, I forgot the question. I think it's fitting for what their personalities were like when they were in the band. I feel like the author was really inspired by what does happen to girl bands or bands 20 years after their heyday and look at the Spice Girls for example like Victoria Beckham is the Mary she has like all Mm -hmm. these different brands and she just channeled her energy in that direction Ginger Spice she left that to me that was Cassidy Mm -hmm. like broke up the band bands never the same should we go on tour where's Ginger but now I'm like really like what happened where where did she go loved no and then also the other Spice Girls like Mel B Mel C and Baby Spice 
are always like becoming judges, judges on, on text. Text. Yeah, that's, oh, that's so true. <laughs> the author sort of said that this was like an an ode to the Spice Girls. Yeah, and if you looked at the author's Instagram, she's it was so on point. Like in the lead up to the book dropping, she was like photoshopping herself into all of these like iconic 2000s, 90s moments. I mean, like, we were the Spice Girls multiple times in college. Yeah, we were the Spice Girls. She like was putting herself on like the cover of like Britney Spears albums. Like she very much like captured the zeitgeist. And, of course, this begs the question, like, you know, what happened to the Spice Girls? What happened to One Direction? What happened to Zayn? Um, I think we know what happened to One Direction. But do you ever really know? No, like, I, I think we know. They came out with five albums in five straight years and tours. Like, they were so done. They were Zane tired. was... Hate, just hated that boy band shtick. Like, he just never wanted to be in a boy band. He was... He just hated hated it. Yeah. I wish we had that clarity with Gloss. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I just like, I feel like being in a band would be the most fun thing in the yeah, world. I know. Like, they didn't really give it the old college try. I know, but you know what? Like, <laughs> At least Daisy Jones and, and the Six, like, they did make it seem glamorous. Yeah, but the way the, the girls were treated, like, literally giving them eating disorders and Ugh, like the yeah. way that they were treated with food and, like, with the music video director, like, it's not fun anymore. You yeah, know? it's like they were treated legitimately like props. Mm-hmm. Like, not like humans. Like, it mm-hmm. was the craziest thing. Like, they just didn't care. Yeah, like li- robots, like these machines that could just go all day, work so hard, which is so much work to begin with, and then on no food, like no steam, like with no respect, no love, no friends. Sing and dance. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it is like a, an impossible situation. And they were that way with each other. Like, when someone would want to get McDonald's or pizza, Rose would be like, don't do that. Like, they didn't even have each other's back in terms of acknowledging how crazy it was. They were that brainwashed about it. Yeah, especially because I think the fact that they didn't have that friendship Mm -hmm. to begin with is what ultimately, like, I think if they had a friendship, they could have had each other's backs and gotten through it together. But without that, they were all sort of their own islands. Yeah, definitely. Even at the height of their fame, none of the Gloss Girls ever spoke up about the abusive behavior of the people working with or around them. What reasons do you think made them keep quiet? It was the times. Like, you, you can do that now, or so I hope slash think. I don't think you could do that then. Like, yeah. they, it would have meant, like, they would have been out of the band, unfortunately. Yeah. Intimidation, for sure. And also, I think that there was... I mean, if you speak up about something that happened to you that could implicate the band, you know, like you're bringing everyone down with you potentially. And I think that is a lot to take on. And I think even if that's not the case and even if justice like might have been served, like the fear of what they were told would happen if they spoke up, like just completely rendered them silent. Mm -hmm. For sure. And it just made me so upset because I was like, oh my God, scream it from the rooftops that this happened to you. Yeah, yeah. And I just... I was... The Stephen St. James, like, I was... was I just wanted her to say also, so bad. But tell each other, too. Yes, like, exactly. That's what I meant. That's what I, I meant, was like, say. Yeah. That's what caught me off guard so much. I was like, they can't even talk to each other about the most menial of things in their lives, let alone the huge things. Yeah. I was like, are you guys friends? Like, I cannot understand the dynamic for the life of me. I could not crack the code. I was no. so perplexed. Honestly... I was going to say this earlier. I was perplexed about, like, their adult storylines. I kept mixing up Mary's life, Yumi's life. I didn't know who was who. I don't know who accomplished what, how old they were. Like, what? How old were they By the way, I thought it was actually 50 years since. No, it was, like, 10. Yeah, no, it was, like, like 18 years. They're in their 30s. Because I think they ended around, like, 2002. And I'm... 
were reading present in 2020. That's where I ended up. We're not up. reading in 2020. Yeah. The book it came out in published. September. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I read 30s and I was like, well, okay, now I know it on the last page of the book. It could have helped me earlier to better understand how the hell old you are. And also <laughs> the fact that like they're in the middle of their careers. Yeah. One of them could have a whole new era. It's not like they're... That's what Rose is trying to do. Totally. I kept envisioning them as like the most has-beens, like saggy ladies. <laughs> they're probably around like, Rodeo Drive. Yeah. yeah. No, they're they're actually relatively young. Like we're their age. But, and oh my god, we're their age. And also they started so young and it also wasn't that big of a time leap in between. I also like didn't think they were that impacted by Cassidy's death. They were like, Well, Mary, you were closest with her. I'm like, What? No, she? They, they all thought they were yes. closest with her, which was so interesting. Yeah. And then I would read something in the book and I'm like, Oh no, Cassidy was closest with Yumi. They were roommates, she was closest with Rose. Yeah. They were in love. She was closest with Mary, like she knew about the pregnancy. But I think that's the point is like she actually wasn't close with anyone. Yeah. Yeah. By the end of the novel, we start to see the, ma- the abusive male characters get their comeuppance. What more do you think we should have seen in the book? I would have liked to see it actually happen, like yeah. actually play out. Like I would have liked to see the statement that they released. I would like to see how it affected Stephen. Yeah. I would just like to see really more of the justice that had, was uh, supposedly being served. I would have liked to see a note or an explanation from Cassidy detailing what happened yes. to her. And coming forth as to why she left the band and what led to her ultimate taking of her own life. Yeah, like to yeah. me, this book is a tragedy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. I think a lot of people, as they read it, felt very like upset, and it's a heavy book with a a, a sad ending because the ending is the beginning, which is that Cassidy has committed suicide. And there is not that much justice for her. And even though this chapter in her life was like so small and it's 18 years or about 18 years later, like how much that it affected her Mm -hmm. for the rest of her life that she couldn't go on. I would have liked to see the letter that Cassidy wrote to Rose, what Mm -hmm. was in it. I would have liked to see, have seen a conversation with her and Alex after the accident. I would have liked to see like Mary's, struggles with a pregnancy once they quit tour like I just feel like there was so much left unsaid yeah there was like so much like unfinished business I feel like the book just stopped like was the author just stopped writing and forgot and sent it to her editor I think it was just getting too long yeah (laughs) so they were like okay which is so weird because it went so quickly I was like how long is this really yeah it didn't feel long did it feel long no it did not feel long to me I wouldn't have noticed that it was even 400 pages if like we didn't talk I would have thought it was actually 250 codename Helene felt long you Mm -hmm. felt every page you felt every (laughs) word (laughs) totally totally okay after everything that happened what do you think of Rose do you think she was just hungry for any ounce of fame and was willing to do any and everything for it Or were there other things that made her who she was and do the things that she did? I think she had a vision of what she wanted to accomplish out of this life. And she was making it happen for herself and things weren't going as planned, but she still was gung-ho on making it happen. I thought that she was definitely hungry for fame and driven by passion, but I liked that because it showed more than what the others were driven by. And what stood out to me when 
was when they were in the hotel and they heard people screaming their names outside and she looked at Cassidy and was like, this is the best feeling. I love when I hear this outdoors. And it's like, all right, great. You're At least you're liking the fame. Like I can't That's say true. the same for others. Like she really genuinely loved that yeah. and worked hard for it. So for that, I respected her. But it's interesting that she wasn't able to parlay it into a real career for herself, whereas Mary definitely did. Oh, I guess, well, Mary chose like a more business route and I think Rose was interested in fame. And yeah. they did say once that she put out a solo endeavor that failed and so I guess she just couldn't be the star that she thought she was like even when they were recording their first single and Cassidy was supposed to sing lead vocals like Rose was just like so felt so like certain of herself like she was everything of the sort and that she had the better voice when like she was nothing of the sort really like she was a background singer yeah and she thought she's a star and you know what that's just that was her downfall yes she thought too highly of herself she lacked self-awareness but they did say repeatedly that she was the one who held the group together and she was basically the manager and so the like, leader the spokesperson yeah. I I respect it like I liked her role mm-hmm. I just think it also was her downfall in some ways and exactly what you said Jackie it's weird that she couldn't parlay it into something like you were in the biggest girl band like you can you can make something out of it you, can, yeah. you have this conviction like go do yeah, like she had the passion she had the contacts she like they said she put out an album solo and it kind of flopped and like one song was in top 10 but that was it yeah but like if she's so ambitious and she thinks she's a star you know mm-hmm. she should have been able to be a bigger star on mm-hmm. her own today's episode is brought to you by book of the month book of the month is a super popular and fast-growing online book service for readers their mission is to promote new and emerging authors and help readers discover books they love i have found so many books that i love through book of the month it is one of the things that i look forward to most every month the amazing selection of choices i choose different books than i might have selected otherwise because i trust book of the month's curators to make sure that these books are going to be fantastic. Their team vets hundreds of books each month and gives readers their choice from a curated selection of new and early release titles so you can spend more time reading and less time researching. Book of the Month is risk-free. You can skip any month, any time, and you will not be charged. Plus, they have the best price for new release fiction. This month, I chose The Girl in the Mirror by Rose Carlyle. It's a suspense novel that looks so good, and if it's a Book of the Month book, I know that it is good. Start today and get your first book for just $9.99 with code book club. That's using code book club to get your first book for just $9.99. Head over to bookofthemonth.com to check out their picks for this month and their other picks and use code book club to get your first book for $9.99. Okay, next we're going to get into the redhead questions. We got some really good questions, some fun ones. First question, we got a multiple versions of it. What do you think the purpose was of only focusing on Cassidy's life during her time in Gloss and not giving the reader any further information about the time between Gloss and her suicide? 15 years is a long time to skip over, and I would love to hear your thoughts on why the author chose to tell the story this way. I mean, I would love to know what the fuck happened in the 15 years. I think it's absolutely, it makes no freaking sense. Like, but what happened in those 15 years, you know? I thought Mm -hmm. it was a terrible like plot device and it left me wanting more and not like in a good way more than in a what the fuck way because she finished she didn't finish this book she just was writing and then just decided to stop as we know yeah and when her sister gave the eulogy and sort of spoke to Cassidy's situation before she passed away I thought that we would get more clarification but we didn't and I guess maybe that's the author commentary on how it feels to lose someone by suicide someone who you did not know was Mm -hmm. was in such a uh dark place and you can't 
make sense of it. And maybe, That's true, but the book is called The Unraveling of Cassidy Holmes. I mean, we so definitely like saw we, The Unraveling. But there, but there had to like be some more. Well, maybe. I think it was actually... My take was that she had this pretty horrifying end of the experience as part of a member of Gloss. And then we learned about her suicide. And I feel like us not knowing what happened in between was sort of an indication that she wasn't able to come back from it, that she wasn't able to get back on her feet, and that she sort of just spent the rest of her life trying to pick up the pieces and ultimately wasn't able to. And then we hear about her death. Wow. And also, like, maybe that makes sense. And maybe it also goes to show how when you are famous, your life is told about you through others and you never actually know what's going on with the person behind closed doors. So hearing about Cassidy from everybody else in the book without her voice kind of reflects what it's like to be in a band where you're hearing about these people all the time through other voices and not their own. Yeah. And everyone's sort of conjecture on what they think happened. I see that. What did you think about Cassie's, Cassidy's multiple relationships slash crushes? Alex, Stephen, Rose. The Cassidy-Rose romance felt a tad bit forced for this reader. I feel like the Cassidy-Rose romance was the... The only thing that made sense. The yeah. only real one where she sort of fell into it and fell in love. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Alex, it was a friendship that she thought was supposed to be more than that, but wasn't. Mm-hmm. And with Stephen, it was, you know, he's a... A crush. A crush, and he's this big star, and he's so talented, and, you know, she was looked up to him while they were perf- on Sing It, and then he turned out to be a monster. But I felt like the Cassidy-Rose relationship, that there was going to be more there, mm-hmm. but I could already, like, sense the weight that it had on Cassidy. Yes. I agree. I thought there was the most real relationship. And she, was it Cassidy or Rose's perspective when they were talking about when they were younger and they kissed their friend that was a girl? Cassidy. Cassidy. Kissed Cassidy. Cassidy. So, like, they did set the scene early that she was not 100% straight. Yeah. And I, yeah, I wanted more out of it. I thought it would go somewhere deeper than just a few hookups that we barely even heard about. Yeah, right. but I guess that's sort of Cassidy's downfall. It's like if she was in love with Rose and Rose has turned out to be such an evil person who really is only out for herself like where does that leave the people that love her yeah it was so nasty when rose was like oh and this letter proves that cassidy was in love with me and it's her declaring her love it was like so yeah deficient desperate yeah desperate i'm like so out on rose i didn't even know i felt this (laughs) no i I know i I actually liked her the best because i feel like she was the most dynamic not because she was a good person they just developed her the most but Mm -hmm. as like a human she sucked we yeah. attached ourselves to her because we felt we knew her the best. Yeah. Because everyone else we were was grasping. a blob. But I think because she that sort of one-dimensional character is easy to understand. Like someone's super ambitious and motivated and is like going to help the rest of the group just like get on board and, and do what they have to do is an easy person to understand their motivations. Whereas the other girls were motivated by other things. Mm-hmm. This is more of a fun question about the style of the band. If Gloss had been bursting onto the scene in 2019, this reader says 2019 because like she doesn't want to recognize 2020, <laughs> instead of 2001, how do you think, solely from a fashion and lifestyle perspective, their lives would have been or looked different? I imagine them in 2001 in low-rise jeans with sparkly belts, tons of eyeliner, maybe a French manicure. Cassidy was impressed when Lucy had a sidekick. But there aren't really any popular girl bands today to use a frame of reference when I tried to picture Gloss in 2019. Little Mix is amazing, but they aren't gloss level fame, even though they deserve it. I'm obsessed with this reader. She's on point. Is this you, Jackie? (laughs) Would gloss be wearing biker shorts, embrace the platform sneaker trend two years ago, Louis Vuitton fanny packs, or micro backpacks? What do you think gloss would look like 
in 2019 or a girl band would look like in 2019. I feel like they would be like wearing those Chanel sets, you know, that like Stassi and Kylie wear. Oh, yeah. The skirt and the sweater and like totally just like logos everywhere. Um, yeah, that's what I would imagine. Muted colors. I like the biker shorts, like oversized sweatshirts. Dino stompers. Yeah. 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 I feel like it yeah. would be like the Dua Lipa aesthetic, but then just like four of them. Mm-hmm. The closest thing I can think of in recent years of a girl band is Fifth Harmony. Yeah, that's what I was thinking yeah. too. But they weren't that sort of girl band that was like super matchy-matchy and vibey. No. And they didn't have a particular aesthetic. And I think that's also because they came together like individually. By the way, we want to talk about what happened to bands that we know. We should, I would love to find out what the fuck happened to Fifth Harmony. I know. Because well, they, I think, are probably the closest to Gloss. Like, I think that yeah. they were treated so poorly. Like, mm-hmm. I think that they have stories for days. So, yes. Who left? Camila Caballo. She was in it. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, the way that it looks from the outside is, like, she was the big star. She thought she could do it on her own, which I'm sure that played into it. But I think the dynamics of bands like this, especially when they're not five people who grew up together, like dreaming of doing yeah. this together, are so complicated. Yeah. Yeah. And I recently saw a TikTok. It came up on my For You page. It was um, a recording of like Camilla and Lauren Yoragi like screaming about how they are like being treated like slaves and like all this stuff mm-hmm. during Fifth Harmony, which is why this was on top of mind. Oh, wow. Yeah. I just, I'm curious because when we were growing up, we had. Insync, Backstreet Boys, we had the Spice Girls, the mm-hmm. best brands ever. Be- and then there were also like smaller bands like Bewitched, Dream, like bands were just popping up. Eden's Crush. Smash All the time. <laughs> I was actually looking, I don't know if you guys saw the little graphic that I made um, for yeah, it was really well the done. Instagram. No, I didn't see it. It took you an you hour. You didn't see it. It took me an hour. But oh. I was on Pinterest like searching like 90s Y2K aesthetic for like this graphic that I had made. And all of these bands were coming up, like Destiny's Child, even like Cheetah Girls. Yeah, Cheetah Girls. There was so much good girl band. We were so blessed being 90s kids. I totally agree. Like I know, but what I was thinking was, was it because that was our the height of our youth and when we would be invested in bands and the gadgets and the, the tchotchkes? Or do those bands just not exist now? And like, would a twenty-eight-year-old know about those bands if they existed right I now? I think so. Oh, we're I think so, so plugged into that pop scene still. Yeah, no, there aren't many bands right now because that was really like the big trend of the day back then. And there are still, I guess, like BTS. BTS, yeah, Blackpink, and I think bands are you know having a resurgence. Yeah. But it's not like how it used to be. It was like an extremely trendy thing to do. Like these 2000 kids are going to be like, we could go with Billie Eilish and that'll be their heyday. But for us, it was such a different vibe. Yeah, but like we had Britney Spears and all of that. But I just think just that formula was just of the time. Like I think Mm -hmm. even in the 80s, like there were bands, but like the 90s were just like, we went hard on bands. Yeah. Yeah. Like pop bands. Pop girl bands. There's always rock bands. bands, but you know. Ugh, what a time. What a time. In the acknowledgments, Alyssa Sloan, the author, cites the Spice Girls as quasi-inspiration for the Gloss Girls. I mean, they literally were the Spice Girls. Even the names that they had, like, nicknames, like Cherry, Baby. They weren't nearly as famous. I mean, maybe they were as famous for a little, but not for the longevity. No, they weren't. But just the, the fact that they were each a Spice versus the Gloss, like, to me, it was... Extremely extremely analogous. Extremely parallel. Yeah. 
Um, were there any parts of the book that made you think of nonfiction pop culture events or phenomena? Seeing it as a fictional American Idol is a super obvious one. Or when Cassidy left the band, I thought of Zane from One Direction. Though I'm not a Zane apologist, people came down and are still coming down hard on him for leaving the way he did, when obviously the reasons for his departure happened behind closed doors and we aren't privy to the full story. Any other ties between the fictional gloss world and pop culture reality? Oh, yeah. I feel like the entire experience is extremely commiserate of what is going on in pop culture with bands. Yeah. American Idol was a good one. What did they call the VMAs? Oh, the, the music book? video Like award. the music yeah. channel. But then they, I feel like they also said MTV at one point. Yeah. <laughs> they kept like going back and forth trying yeah. to create different names. Yeah. I liked how they did that because I felt like I could place certain or get the sense of what was going on. And I think, you know, Cassidy was on her way to the Golden Globes with Steven. Oscars. Oscars. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. They alluded it, that her dress was similar to Gwyneth Paltrow's Ralph Lauren Oscar dress. Yes. I don't so, know, like, copyright rules, but it's weird that they delved in reality, like, referring to Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears and the Oscars, and then they had to, like, switch the VMAs. I'm sure it was yeah. a legality thing, but I'm like, why don't you just either be consistent and use real things or not? Yeah, no, like, I felt like she, the author could have made it, like, completely tangential to what happened yeah. during those years. Like, them presenting with Britney Spears, like, and could have really woven it into what actually happened. Yes. But didn't you know or they used like the magazine that they were almost like jcm where like that would have been j14 or right. tiger beat <laughs> but she didn't so i would have liked to see more stuff like that but i i think at every turn we knew exactly what that would yes. look tiger like. beat tiger beat okay what do you think the last sentence meant when rose was at the burial and it said under her veil it would either look like a smile or a frown in the paparazzi photo why do you think she would be smiling because she got one more second of fame yeah. that she wasn't expecting. Totally. Because she's a sociopath. Because she's relevant for a minute. Yeah. And we just don't really know her. So we don't know if she's smiling or crying. And we don't know her intentions. And I feel like that is so indicative of that smile frown. I would have all, in the Justice Department, I would have also liked to seen Rose's <laughs> reaction when she saw that Yumi got the judging yeah. spot and how like she was I, I actually love that scene I felt like there was so much goodness that came from it like you justice for Yumi yeah. justice against Stephen St. James and the fact that they would offer Rose so much more money yeah. than Yumi but she completely turned it around to be such a win for her like those were the sorts of moments like yes moments that I wanted more yes. of. Yes, yeah. but I also kind of felt bummed out because she's like, I don't want to get back into the fame. I don't want to get back into the spotlight. I don't want to do this. However, I'm doing this to spite Rose. I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah, wonderful. That's true. It's like she really didn't even want that job and now she has to go do that job. She said for all the reasons she didn't want to do it and then she's like, but I don't want Rose to do it. So <laughs> I guess I'm going to do it. That is so funny. I actually think that like judging a show like that is um, – Probably really fun and like a really maybe she'll enjoy it, you know. Yeah. But also for ten or fifteen million dollars, anything she can, can handle fun. it. I you totally know? agree. Okay, final redheads question. The author mentions in her notes that she didn't have Cassidy seek treatment for her depression because she didn't want to give readers the impression that seeking treatment doesn't help. First, what are your thoughts on this decision? While I understand the reasoning for this and support it, I can't help but think she should have done more to discuss Cassidy's overall mental health in the book. She briefly grazes over Cassidy's feelings of depression, but it felt rushed to me. How do you feel the author did covering such a heavy but important topic? Was it the right amount or could she have done more? This is a really big question. Mm -hmm. Perhaps her not covering the last 15, 18 years of Cassidy's life could leave it up to interpretation. The reader could believe that Cassidy sought treatment or did not, and 
either it worked or it didn't. So I, I did actually agree to some degree uh, uh, regarding the author's choice to not talk specifically about therapy or counseling because that could send a really sad message or upsetting message to readers. I agree with that. And I think the choice was already made in the book that it would start with Cassidy, mm-hmm. um, Cassidy's death. So it, it has a sad ending. And I think that that would be a tough thing to grapple with whereas leaving it more open-ended and open to interpretation is is more I want to say hopeful even though it's it's a tragic story yeah it was powerful when your sister was detailing how she visited her once a year and had no idea anything was wrong and it just as you said shows the power of you never know how much someone is struggling yeah and I think then this leads into our next segment which is the moral of the story that that really is one of the morals of this story which is like you never know what goes on behind closed doors you never know what someone else is going through and even though it might look like someone has it all figured Mm -hmm. out or somewhat figured out everyone has their own journey and their own struggles that was mine I said things aren't always as they seem Mm -hmm. my other one which was like more about like the surface of the fame is just be careful what you wish for Ooh, that's a good one yeah that's like a really harrowing one that'd be impactful if we like knew cassidy wished for this that <laughs> is honestly so true but like what were cassidy's like, wishes i do not yeah, know i do not know i would think it would be like focus on your happiness before others like put your mask on before don't rely on your pr agent to do everything <laughs> yeah keep good people in your life yeah. especially if you intend on being like a huge famously successful pop star like make sure you've got some ride or dies by your side yeah yeah no I think it's just basically like all of them it's just like be careful what you wish for and also just like yeah and like be kind be to kind. people yeah that's always a good one yeah, yeah kindness Okay, now it's everyone's favorite segment, the Hollywood treatment, which has now become a competition on our Instagram page, and I'm loving it. So I really, I put so much time and energy into these castings, and now one of my favorite things to do is when I'm in the middle of a book, before I go to sleep at night, like if I'm trying to like quiet my mind, I'll try, I'll think of like who should play the person in the book that I'm reading outside of Redhead's books. Like it's just a fun thing to do. So let's start with young Cassidy. I had, after much consideration, and throughout the book I was envisioning her as a Christine Froseth. I was literally going to say that. In the end, I cast her as Bella Thorne. Good one. Also, Mm. you will see that all of my young actors, I wanted them to be people who could actually make up a fire girl band. So people that I know can sing and dance and like this would be an iconic girl band. Oh yeah, that that was way more than I was able to do. Okay. However, the entire time I was reading this, I just felt wispy, strawberry blonde slash red hair for whatever reason. I just saw her in my mind and I couldn't shake her, but like I wasn't sure which celebrity I was envisioning. But I actually selected Sadie Sink. Oh, that's a good one. That is Thank a good you. one. Maybe when she's done in My Dark Vanessa, she'll Correct. come over to the set of yes. The Unraveling of Cassidy Holmes. I think she will. I Dana? Think she's up for the challenge. I think she is. I pick Sabrina Carpenter. Very good. Yes. Very, there very go. good. Yes. yes. Snitch? Christine Froseth. Okay. A very good one also. She really can play any part. Okay, next I want to do the other girls in the band, Young and Old, together. Mm-hmm. For Young Rose, I had Rowan Blanchard. She's from Girl Meets World. She's a Disney star. So, oh, so that oh, means interesting. She's a triple threat. And 
she also looks like my old Rose, older Rose, which was Rose Byrne. I was going to do Rose McGowan, and the entire time I was reading the book, I was envisioning young Rose as Rose McGowan in Jawbreaker, mm-hmm. like just like that bitchy character. Yeah, it's epic. But um, ultimately, I chose Rowan and Rose Byrne, and I, I think together they could make up Rose. That's funny, because I did choose Rose McGowan or McGowan for old Rose, and it just felt right. Yeah. Like, kind it, of like that ambiguously icy yes. element. And young Rose, I selected Kaya Gerber. What do you guys think? Oh, I like that. Oh, that's really good. That's a good one. Thank you. That is a really good one. I had Demi Lovato for young Rose. Okay. I went the Disney star route as well. Sure. <laughs> and although Demi Lovato looks nothing like the old Rose I picked, I chose Fergie. I'm in shock. <laughs> I'm in shock. Fergie is actually a really good choice for this book in general because I could yes. see her being like a sing it judge, and Fergie would also be good for an old Mary. But yeah, I, you know what? <laughs> we'll just give that to you. Yes. Mitch um, for young Rose, I had Diana Agron, but Glee Diana Agron, like not like who she is now, like when she was a Cheerio. Okay. And then for old, I had Gwyneth Paltrow. But obviously, my ages are a little fucked up. But that's just what I envisioned. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Now, for young Yumi and old Yumi, I'll go first. Because I had, for young Yumi, I have Kim Jenny. She's a member of Blackpink. And again, like, I'm putting together the best girl band of all time. (laughs) You'll see. And for old Yumi, I had Gemma Chan from Crazy Rich Asians. I'm obsessed with her. Oh, my God. That is an amazing one. I'm taking it. Gemma Chan is perfect. Okay. Yay. I'll leave it at that. Bex? Fabulous. For young Yumi, I have Kimiko Glenn. She was in Orange is the New Black. For old Yumi, I selected Kelly Marie Tran. She was in Star Wars. Oh, perfect. Yeah. I liked it. I like that. For young Yumi, I had Lana Kandor. Love her. Love her. And for old Yumi, I had Constance Wu. Oh, perfect. Good job, Very Dana. good, Dana. Thank you. I honestly couldn't think of a young Yumi, and Gemma Chan has replaced whoever I was thinking, because that is Yumi. Oh, my God. Thank you so like, much. I'm, I'm appalled that I didn't think of that. Wow. Thank you. That's like the <laughs> highest compliment Mitch could give, because you're usually like my fiercest competition. Yeah, no, no. I didn't, br- I didn't bring it so well this week, and so... It's okay. You've been busy. Yeah, it's yours. Okay. Next and last is Mary. For young Mary, I had Olivia O'Brien. She's, um, she's a pop singer, up and coming yeah. a bit, and I just think she would contribute great to this all-star band. And old Mary, I had Olivia Wilde because I think that she looks the way that Mary was described and she also looks like Olivia O'Brien and they have the same name. Oh, okay. Um, for young Mary, I had Katie Stevens, who's in The Bold Type. Interesting. Oh. Oh. It felt right. That's a good casting. Because I casting. feel like sometimes we get stuck in like choosing from the same shows like yeah. Riverdale and All like of Modern Modern Family. Big Little Lies. Any other show. But we haven't gone bold type yet. That's I know. really good. We should tap into bold type. And Katie Stevens has an amazing voice. I know. So she could join the band. She could be in it. Yeah. Um, and my old Mary I also was deeply proud of is Kat Dennings, which I feel like is an older version of Katie. Yeah, no, that's good. They work together. They work together and like they both have titties. Love that. <laughs> Dana? I had Young Mary as Noah Cyrus. Okay. Yeah, that's not bad. And I had Old Mary as Victoria Beckham before you even referenced it on the podcast that you thought that would be a good one. Very good. Um, you're doing so much <laughs> as better. Miley Cyrus. Yes, oh my God, that's actually really good. That's yeah. funny. Snitch. For Mary, I had... Um, oh God. 
You know who I thought would be good that I think you would like that I'll give you? Who? Ava Max. Okay. For Mary, I had <laughs> Ava Max. She just dropped a new album and it's so fabulous and it's been top of mind. And then for older Mary, I had a Kelly Clarkson. Ooh. Ooh. And that's wow. great. The singing American, American Idol, Idol yeah. one. Very good. Okay, well, thank you, everyone, for your participation. The Redheads will vote and let us know who's are the best. Um, now I have, like, FOMO for this movie. Like, I need it to be made because yes. it sounds so good. And, like, we would get such great, like, original music from it, you know? Well, I would love for a movie soundtrack right about now. Yeah, of, like, a girl band from this era. That's just what we need. Yeah. Okay, now it's time for the overall Redheads rating of the unraveling of Cassidy Holmes. I'll go first since I chose it. I gave this book a 4.0 because I really enjoyed it. It was an enjoyable read that I thought about, you know, even when the book was down. Um, But there was not one character that just, like, changed my entire life. Therefore, that's why it's not a 5. So it's a 4 for me. Bex? I gave this book a 3.2 because I, I really liked it. It was a great read, but I felt like the writing itself just didn't land for me. And I do think that that contributes to my scoring tactics. So it fell in between a three and a four, but closer to a three because I was like, mm. Okay, very fair, Dana. I also had a 3.2. Um, I love reading about bands and that kind of content because it just makes me nostalgic for concerts, which I really miss. And I love that treatment of books. I didn't feel anything towards the characters and I didn't feel that they felt anything towards each other so that's why my score was a little lower okay very fair snitch I'm gonna give it a 2.7 shit snitch what <laughs> um, happened I just I'm t- I just didn't really like I it it only has a rating because I was able to read it and it was like a quick little fun read but like it just didn't really do it didn't do much for me Okay. At all. Oh my God. Wow. Okay. So the overall Redheads rating of this novel is a 3.275. I feel like that's, I that's, feel like that's appropriate. fair. Appropriate. Fair. I agree. Okay. I'd be so curious to see what the Redheads rated this. You yeah. Know, I want, please give us your thoughts, your feedback, your I saw some really voice. mixed reviews because before I read it myself, I had seen some people who had already read it who were like, ooh, this wasn't my favorite. And now after I've read it, I've seen so many people be like, oh my God, I loved this book. Like this was such an enjoyable read. So I agree. I think it's really a mixed bag and I look forward to hearing what everyone else thinks. Same. Okay, now it is time for the other books that we read this month. And I read so many, I'm actually embarrassed. But I also want to share with the group that I hit my reading goal for 2020. Holy crap. 50 books. And Cassidy Holmes was my 50th book. It's beautiful. I I just thought that was beautiful and I thought you guys would be proud of me. But also, like, I read so many books this month. Like, I need to get a life. No, it's amazing. But I was also on vacation. You should be so proud of yourself, Jackie. It's really, it's incredible. Oh my God, thank you so much. That is really good. So I'm going to share the books that I read because, um... I actually read some really good ones. Four of the books I read, though, were Ellen Hildebrand. So if you've read those books, you know they're actually really easy to read. So it's not like that impressive. First one I read was The Perfect Couple. I was telling you guys I had just started it. I thought it was really good. I gave it a four. Same feeling that I had about this book where it's like I really enjoyed the story. It went by really quickly. But there was not one character that I felt myself relating to or inspired by. Therefore, it's only a four. I read 28 Summers. I felt the exact same way I feel like Ellen Hildebrand gets into this thing with or at least I feel like her female heroines who everyone's in love with and obsessed with like they're extremely blah and it just like makes me kind of sad it's like if you want people to love you like have no personality which I don't I don't like she had no backbone in that book yeah 
And then I also read Winter in Paradise and What Happens in Paradise, which I each gave threes. I actually didn't love them, so it's surprising that I read the sequel. And then the third book comes out in October, and I'll read that too just yes. to see how it ends. You know, like, <laughs> I didn't love it. Um, I also read Majesty, American Royals Part 2. Oh, I forgot. At the behest of the snitch. And even though I really liked the first book, I didn't like Majesty so much. It made me feel super old. I felt like everyone just like switched on who they love so quickly. So true. And I thought everyone else in the first, the couples in the first book were endgame and now these couples are endgame. And I just felt like, where's the loyalty? And I really didn't enjoy it. The only person I love and that I'll continue reading the series for is Beatrice. Same. But like everyone else can scram. (laughs) Then I read The Night Swim, which was one of my book of the month choices from two months ago. And I absolutely loved it. I thought it was sensational. It was so well done. Um, It is about the story of a rape trial. So if that is sensitive for you, definitely read into it more before you pick up this book. But I gave it a five because I, I thought it was so good. And it really just took me by surprise. Then I read Eliza Starts a Rumor, which I recommended to all of the redheads. I will recommend to everyone listening to this podcast. I I loved it so much. A part of me wishes that I chose it as the book for the redheads. I gave it a five. It's like about, it's very big little lies, but like without the darkness. And it's about Facebook group drama. Mm. And (laughs) it was so good. I like, I was getting Claudia into it also. And you guys have heard me talk about it on the toast, but I, I loved it very much. So that was a lot. But those are the books that I read. I mean, I'm beyond impressed. We have to join a reading Olympics team or something to like put all of this reading to the test. Yeah. No, I know. Like, I want to win something based on your book consumption and yours, Dana. Well, you guys, here to make you proud, I read one other book this month, which I actually do feel proud of. You, you should. Know? You should, because yeah. I didn't. <laughs> I read The Great Alone by Kristen Hanna, which, as you guys know, The Nightingale is my favorite book. So I was like, it's time to read another book by this wonderful author. And it's so good. I freaking loved it. It's all about Alaska, which I was so not expecting. I wasn't sure. I was, I suppose I was expecting another war novel. And I was pleasantly surprised that I was learning all about Alaska being The Great Alone. And it was, it just touched on family dynamics. It touched on nature. It had all the things. It was incredible. And I rated it a 4.5 out of 5. Very good. The Great Alone is so good. You should all read it. Yes. Okay. But yeah, I'm going to read the Nightingale. Nightingale. You guys gave me so many book suggestions. I actually just started Ask Again. Yes. Uh, I'm one chapter in. It's so good, Jackie. It's so Yeah, good. and I'm excited. It's I just, just like, didn't want to, like, read too much before that we recorded. Okay, just, like, you read eight books a month, but, like, they're never the recommendations that I <laughs> offer. So it's just, like, what true. does that say about us? That's true. <laughs> I guess that it says... I don't know. You're saving I was just like it. on a kick and, and I wasn't ready for the Nightingale. I was not ready for that. I'm, I'm getting ready for it. Like cool. I'm, and I was in a, like a beach read mode. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're allowed. Dana? I read um, Big Lies in a Small Town by Diane Chamberlain. Very good. I'd recommend it. it I would rate it a 3.6. It has some art in it. It has some jail time in it. It's great. I read Everything Here is Under Control by Emily Adrian. I would rate that a 3.5. Also great. And I read All Adults Here by Emma Straub. Did you like that? I did. What did you rate it? I rated it a 3.0. I've been seeing it everywhere. Oh, really? Yeah. It it was good. I, like, was struggling even remembering what these books were about when (laughs) I was congregating them for this thing. I was like, what did I read? Yeah. But once I refreshed my memory, I remember that I really liked All Adults Here. Okay. Good to know. Even though it was the lowest rated on the three books (laughs) we just shared. (laughs) Well, next up, we have Becky's Choice. And Bex, what is your choice? You guys, I'm so excited to select this month's choice. We will be reading Have You Seen Luis Velez by Katherine Ryan Hyde. 
And I selected this book because from what I've heard, it sends a very powerful and wonderful message, which I think we can all benefit from. I think it's sort of about belonging and not feeling like you belong perhaps with like the group that you should belong with and finding someone else that works for your life and in an unexpected place. Okay. So I'm very excited. Um, Jackie was making fun of me because like the cover is yeah. kind of like corny corny yeah. not what you would expect however here in don't, this group we do not judge, judge a book by its cover do not judge oh. a book by the cover but yeah you guys are gonna be like what i mean it's like it looks like a, something like your a grandma yeah, would read <laughs> you know but like who's to say that that's not for us yeah. i don't even notice covers because of kindle like, i know yeah, i don't know what covers look like it's kind of nice oh. what's funny is i have a hard copy of this book which i'm actually excited to kind of revert back to the hard copy life um, but you guys, I'm really excited to read this. It's, Me too. It's supposed to be <laughs> it a fresh I know. I'm, I hope it, like, we all feel warm and fuzzy after. Oh, I'm excited. Me too. Yeah. We'll see. I, you know? <laughs> it's we'll always see. fun. And even when it's bad, it's a lively discussion. So, so true. As long as we're reading, there's no bad choice, you know? For sure. Thank you guys for joining another wonderful episode of The Redheads. And thank you to The Redheads for listening to another wonderful episode of The Redheads. There are so many redheads and I'm the only redhead. <laughs> um, we love being redheads. And you know where to follow us at The Redheads on Instagram. Make sure to join our Facebook group, The Redheads Book Club. And we will see you next month. Bye. Bye. See you next month, y'all.